Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Social Media Branded, hosted by me, Theo Brenzel. I'm an entrepreneur, speaker, author, and social media expert. And today, I'm joined again by, I would say, one of the most fantastic people uh, in the business world that I've met, and that is, of course, Frank McKinney. And fun fact, he actually has had an action figure uh, made of himself. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where those are. I, I I don't even think I have one left, but some other people have found theirs, and I guess I could find it on eBay or something. So something I've been thinking a lot about uh, is thinking and taking into consideration other people's opinion, and uh, if it should be something that you should worry about or think about, and other people's opinion, is that something you've been affected by yourself in your personal life? Or is that something you don't really worry about at all? Well, here's what happens when you hear somebody else's opinion of you or your work or your lifestyle or family or what have you. You are pre-wired at birth to have a certain level of sensitivity, an inherent level of personal sensitivity to feelings. And um, somebody like our president, Donald Trump, uh, he is insensitive I'm not saying that is a bad thing at all. I'm just saying he's insensitive to the way people feel about him. It doesn't bother him and, and it fires him up. I mean, he, he, he receives so much criticism on a regular basis. It's clear that he was, you know, born with a, a little bit less sensitivity. Um, and that's not a political statement. That's just, a, you know, to me, it's an observation. So I was born with a tremendous amount of sensitivity. Uh, I am a sensitive person. You don't lose that, by the way. It's not something that you lose. You're either born it's not that you're born insensitive or sensitive. You're born on a certain le with a certain level of sensitivity, like a you know, like a speedometer or a meter or a thermometer. And so, um, being born with with quite a bit of sensitivity, I um, I had to condition myself to not allow any negative comments and or overly positive comments to affect that sensitivity meter. Um, and that's part of that's part of growing up. That's part of that's part of putting putting comments through through a filter. So I've learned now that as a you know as a public figure, I've written all these books and toured around the world and stuff. That um, if you're if people are talking about you, good or bad, it's a good thing. You know, there there are people that have opinions about you and have opinions about me. If they're willing to take their energy and express those opinions then I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I, I'm happy to listen to them. And I have, I have been criticized over the years for various things. And, and some of the things I took to heart, like some of the things I probably knew deep down in my soul, I needed to work on. And the rest, most of those comments, though, if they're negative to you, are based on the other person's um, insecurities and envy and jealousy. And once you read those, and you know exactly what those comments look like and what, what, where the source is coming from, then it's not wise to pay attention to those. But do you think it's wise to pay attention to people's, uh, some people's opinions? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's the only way you're going to know how to train your, your filter as, as so as to determine what is a valid comment. What is a, what is a, a, a comment that's going to enrich your life? And you don't want a bunch of yes people around you. You want people that are going to tell you how it is and, uh, even though it might be painful, you'll remember that because your subconscious is saying, you know what, they are right. I need to take heed with this comment or this suggestion, this criticism, because deep down in my soul, I know that they are right. 
so you would say essentially you need to take in a lot of criticism or just opinions to start creating a filter for yourself. You have no choice but to take them all in and you don't want to build up a wall or a defense mechanism so that nothing gets through. You got to let them all come through and then learn how to, in my case, you know, how to not be overly sensitive to things that, that, that were coming from a place of, of jealousy or, or envy or insecurity or really just being uneducated. So in the beginning where of uh, your uh, real estate career, uh, I assume that you, a lot of people got interested in you and wanted to get to know you. And of course, uh, a lot of people maybe wanted to suck up to you and made them want you, made you want like them. So was there, did you have a hard time doing that in the beginning? Not really. I'm more, believe it or not, even as a public person, I'm more of a loner. So it's, it's not hard for me to create a, a sphere, you know, a bubble of, of, of a very small circle of influencers in my life. And that's always been the case at every, uh, every decade or so, you know, where you allow different people in and you, you get rid of other people. So, you know, people like I, I'm, I could do better at networking. I'm not the best networker. And, and there have probably been opportunities that I could have allowed people inside the circle or right around the edge of the circle that weren't trying to get something from me. Because as, as you become successful and you have material success, financial success, then there is an angle. A lot of people have an angle. Uh, and if you didn't have the money or if you didn't have the nice house or that, they wouldn't pay attention to you. So, you know, I, I'm very careful of, of protecting my family against that. But there, there are times when I kind of wish I allowed, um, or I still work on it, it will allow more, more people in, um, but, you know, it's just like this new book I'm working on. A lot of people would, um, and I, I am taking people through this new book in real time, but I'm not going to go out to the masses and say, here's four different book covers, you know, help me choose one. Like, I, you got to be a leader. You got to choose what you think's right. You can't take feedback on everything. Uh, life isn't meant to be a focus group. If you're, if you are a leader, then you're going to make the decisions. And, and, and sometimes um, those decisions are going to be unpopular. Sometimes, sometimes those decisions are going to fail you. But I've always said that when I take a risk in real estate, I want to have the buck stop with me. You know, like I took the risk to build this particular house in this location and build it on speculation. And if it didn't sell for what I thought, it was my, it's on me. It's, I, I have nobody to look to, but my next better self to, to improve that decision on. Speaking of your book, uh, right now you are writing your, I believe it's your seventh book. And uh, right. a, uh, what you've released so far is that it's going to be a uh, mindset book with 25 chapters and uh, each one really short but really valuable so i remember on the last interview we did we uh, you discussed that you possibly wanted to do a book related to uh, freedom of speech uh, was there a reason why you wanted to go with this type of book instead of writing yeah honestly you know having written six other books in five different genres and this will be, this might be considered as, you know, a sixth genre, like a, you know, a true mindset book. But my first book, Make It Big, was kind of philosophical with mindset in it. So maybe it's not a new genre for me. Uh, but I realize that, that I need to write what I'm best at. And, and yes, I, w I was curious and still am curious about this evolution of the First Amendment of free speech. I'm not so sure it would resonate with the consumer at least my consumer, you know, it, it would be a very intellectual, very academic book. 
uh, and that's probably, you know, my consumer is more from the mindset. My, my, what I did, honestly, too, is I went back over all these years and looked at all the comments and the things that I, all the coaching I've done and, and, the, and the things that people wanted the most from an evolving Frank with my level of experience and stuff. And I took those and that's where like the process this time is very interesting because I am taking people through the writing this book in real time. Uh, so the other day I put up a, a post about, you know, yes, this is my first mindset book really in 18 years since my first book and how I go about writing because I believe everybody listening or watching this this uh, interview has a book inside of them. I'm I'm sure that everybody out there has a book inside of them. So reading is reactive; it's great, but writing's proactive and it engages so many different parts of the brain. So I have to settle on the title of the book first. And I know that sounds backwards. A lot of people write and then they come up with the title. I want to deliver on the promise of the title. So and that and because because to me, as I was saying, pre-Napoleon Hill you know, mindset has done everything for me. That's why if you get the mind right, the money will follow. You get the mind right, the miles will follow if you're an ultra distant runner like I am. So, I mean, that's, that's stating the obvious, but in these five sections, how I'm kind of breaking it down, just like the five lobes of the brain and, and what those five lobes do to, you know, your, your impact on the world, not just your impact on the fam, on your family and on, 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 in, in success. And I, so I'm really, I mean, there's pieces from our prior interviews that are going to be in the book. I'm going to tell you, you know, because some of the stuff I'm just used to talking about and, it's re and it resonates. But for those of you who are thinking about writing a book, and I encourage you to write your book, I encourage you to, to come up with a title first, then do your sections outline, and then from there, your chapters will fall in. Once it's almost like that to me, that's the hardest work. And then let's say chapter one, whatever the title is going to be, I can then start writing and filling in the data, you know, filling in the content. It's more time consuming, but it's easier. Once you've got the layout, you're just answering the questions posed by, in my case, will be 25 chapters. And each chapter is very short. Like you said, Tio, it's seven to eight pages long. Is there a particular reason why you want to do it that way? Yeah, it's funny. I go back to my first Make It Big book, which again, 18 years, it came out way ahead of its time. If you've read that book, there's 49 chapters in that book. Each of them are seven or eight pages long. And back then, that was way before people were writing, you know, to the shorter attention spans that we have now. And so, you know, the, the, the ideal length of a book out there, a mindset type book, an inspirational, aspirational, motivational book is about 180 pages, 200 pages max, nothing more than that. So my challenge is going to be to keep it below like Harry Potter-esque type book. Like really, I could fill 800 pages. But getting to the point um, is why, the way people read now. I mean, just look the way you read your news feed, the way you read your text, the way you read your emails. There's, there's not, it's not a novel, right? So this is, this is a book that's going to help your mindset in life. And that being the case, you, you kind of want to get to the point. Now, the other thing I'm doing is I'm not writing this where you have to read it from chapter one to chapter 25. Really important that if, if section number five, for example, is something that you want to work on, I think section number five is going to be the more the spiritual uh, chapter, the spiritual section, uh, then go right there, you know? And if, if you want to start at section two, because that appeals to you, you don't have to read it linearly. And that's really interesting. So do you think you will do something specific with that? 
or is that just how you would like to structure your book? No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to write it linearly. I will write it chapter one to chapter 25, but the way it's being presented, it's not necessary for you to read it that most people like to read a book that way and, and it'll be fine for you to read it that way. But like an oracle, like an, an oracle is something where you, you go to an entity and seek advice, you know, kind of randomly. Um, I did a journal, journal, Yannick Silver, who's a good friend of mine who wrote a fantastic journal, um, a, a journal exercise called the, the Cosmic Journal. I encourage you to pick up a copy of that. Uh, it was 112 pages or something. And I, instead of doing page one to page 112, I, I would just open it up like an oracle and I would do that specific journal page one at a time. I did it for 112 days straight to finish it. That, that's kind of how I want this book to be is, is go, of course, go to the index table contents and see what is it that you want to really work on because there will be different facets you know the spiritual side the financial side the, the, the there's going to be a relational side very important uh, relationships uh, physical relationships love relationships business relationships and how those impact the mind and how you know you want to you want to draw in a magnetic kind of way those relationships towards you that you know are going to serve you well. And there's a whole chapter on how I've gone about, you know, doing that You're using magnetism, um, dynamicism, uh, flamboyance, th those things to help you build your brand. So something I was uh, really interested in and wanted to talk to you about is the topic of change, which might also be a topic in your book, but what was that change like for you personally? Well, first of all, it's so fresh, it's not complete yet. And so there are a lot of battles that take place in my sleep, in my subconscious, after doing something for so many years to, you know, it's like, I forget the the character, the, the comic character, or the medieval character where you try to withdraw the sword from the stone. Uh, somebody will Somebody will educate me, but there's that, you know, nobody could do it and it's it's that it that's that stone is real estate and the sword is my career and i'm trying to find the right formula to withdraw it well all i know is that i've never been better at what i do for a living i've never loved what i do for a living more than right now that house that i just finished and sold a few months ago my final masterpiece was the most beautiful house i've ever done um, but i realize you know a true renaissance man does shift direction at the peak of their career, the peak of their ability. It's just time to move on and take that energy and redirect it to something else. So, you know, while, while the career may change, the passion and the energy and the enlightenment is just simply being redirected in, a, in another direction. What did you feel like the day after you sold the house? Oh, let's see, a little empty. Yeah, um, there was a lot of that house took a little longer to sell than I thought it would because of COVID, even though we sold it during COVID. I think COVID scared people at the beginning. Um, we sold it in the middle of COVID. You know, what is it? August. We sold it in May, uh, which is the height of COVID in the United States. So, you know, there, there was there was no need to go up to the house anymore. You know, I would work from there. I think you and I did our first interview or one of our interview, two of our interviews from up there. So, you know, that was kind of hard. Uh, I, I never, I never miss the houses. Like I, when I sell them, I drive away and I never look back and, uh, I don't miss the house either. It's really that 
you know, like I told you in one of our interviews, it was the process that I became very associated with. And I corrected myself and said, no, it's not the process. It's the being the executioner and closing the loop and, and which is what we did. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away. I mentioned in the beginning, you know, I'm a sensitive individual and, and, and being used to that application day in and day out. Uh, and then saying, okay, time to breathe for a little bit. Cause it's rare that I breathe. It's, it's either I'm running a, you know, some kind of long ultra marathon race or doing some project or over in Haiti, building a village or writing a book. It's very hard for me to sit in my breath and, and I need to learn to do that. That's part of this process to to be honest with you. It's very unnatural not to jump into something else. And he, and there are days when I'm wondering like, all right, there's hardly anything on my schedule. What am I going to do? I don't want to lay out in the sun, you know? Um, so, you know, we've been taking a little bit more trips. My wife and I have been going to a place in North Carolina that we like a lot, trying to change the scenery a little bit. So do you feel like you might still be riding on the high of selling the house? No, not at all. That, that doesn't really last very long. Um, if there's any high to be riding on, it's what's next. That's always something that has been my lifeblood, honestly. I mean, I, in the past it was, well, okay, what am I going to design next? What's the next house? Well, that's, it's the sensation's still the same. What's next? This book is very exciting to me, extremely. And now being able to take, as soon as I get that, that cover done and I get the, you know, the title out to the public, I'm going to be reading, you know, on camera, some, some, some excerpts, you know, in real time, like right when I wrote them, right before they get, you know, edited. And, and it's just like the raw version. I'm also going to bring the camera into my treehouse where I am today. So that, yeah, anyway, uh, that real time process of writing a book, because I think everybody, you know, listening to watching this, you've thought about writing a book. Many of you, like you two, have written a book. What's the best way to do it? Like, what topic should I be writing about? And how do you get it on the paper? Having done seven books, well, six books, and now my seventh, I think if people want to learn how to do that. So you're essentially doing it as a process to also show people how to write. Yeah. Yep. I want people to see in real time how it's done. I want them to, to I don't want to have, to have to wait. I'm not going to, you know, read the whole book to you because then you won't buy it. But um, I want you to see, you know, why, why the subjects, why the, <clears throat> the sections and, Maybe some of the more important, timely uh, chapters, given on what may, what's going on, maybe after our election, there'll be some things that'll be really important. You know, I want to get all that stuff out there. I want to be kind of, I want to be a lot more transparent, building up to the release of the book. Have you always been like the person who is excited for a new thing? Or yeah, I am excited for new things. Um, as you get older. I think in one of your prior interviews, I talked about better your bettering your previous best. You can always better your previous best, and when you're your age, that's pretty easy to do. But as you've gotten older, you, you, you once you have a bunch of successes under your belt, it's not as easy to do. You know, it's just not. And uh, so that there's a little bit of anxiety in a good sense, but. You know, am I am I going to be able to better my previous best this time around? Is this going to be the best book that I've ever written before? I mean, you know, for example. So yes, I'm I'm always excited about it, but you're never sure. Do you always want to uh, essentially make yourself better than you were before? I believe that everybody does that. Everybody has the opportunity. If you are, you know, a builder, 
you can build a better home next time. If you're an author, you can, re you can write a better book. If you're a social media expert, you can always become a better expert next week than you were this week. <clears throat> so, you know, that, that upward spiral of, of improvement, personal development is something we should all seek. And the hard part is when you get a little older, you know, I mean, how much higher do you go? You know, we, we've done, we're doing another village in Haiti. Uh, it's our, it'll be our 28th. We're getting ready to start it soon. You know, trying to bring something new, like I'm bringing micro flush toilets, which we have never had in our villages. These really cool micro flush biodegradable type toilets. You know, that's something new. Uh, the type of solar system I'm putting on the community center is a little bit more efficient. It's, it's, it's a little bit newer. That makes it exciting for me to do to do new things like that. So is it a process of always wanting to improve, or is it the end result that you that you want to improve? If you always want to improve, the result will be there. I always told people that work for me that the day I come into work and say, "Let's just do it the way we did it before because it was so successful," is the day you should look for another job. And you know, uh, they're, 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 you know what that, that stupid saying they have in the United States that says, why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> well, I want to reinvent the wheel. Every single time I want to reinvent the wheel. People wonder, they question it. And, and sometimes I question it. Like, why go through all the trouble when it's already been built for you? No, I want to build it a better wheel. And I guess that's the only way to progress. Right. You're absolutely right. Build a better wheel. But where is the line of making it perfect? You, <laughs> the perfectionist in you will, will always attempt to attain that line, to, to, to cross that line. Not cross it, but cross it as a finish line. Like, I made this one perfect. And, you know, the, the process is imperfect. But what is perfect is is the effort to, to always improve. Like to me, um, it, I'm accepting of the fact that, you know, the last project I did wasn't perfect. It was the best I did. Didn't say it was, a, you know, it was perfect. A, you know, perfectionist, you can't apologize for it either though, Tio. You have to accept it and, 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 and striving for it. There's no apology. What is your point of view on perfectionism? Because uh, as you said, you can always reinvent the wheel, but also make it better. But yeah. How do you make sure that you don't get stuck in the mindset of trying to make something perfect? I don't think anything's wrong with that. Honestly, I really don't. If you look at the icons of the world, you know, like that Steve Jobs and the Elon Musk and the, I don't know, whoever we look up to nowadays, Bill Gates kind of passed his time. But, I mean, they, they all wanted to invent, perpetrate perfection. And the pursuit of it is part of the fun. So... I, I'm not going to give any, there is no advice to somebody who, who wants to avoid perfection. If that's your desire, then you, sh you should go for it. Maybe someday you land on the moon. Maybe someday you get it. Maybe someday you attain it. Uh, and, in the, and, and in hindsight, I'll tell you, as you get older, in hindsight, you look back and you say, that was, that was a perfect effort. Maybe not a perfect result, but a perfect effort. And that's a really good feeling. I, I've had, <clears throat> I don't have them in the moment. I have them after the fact, and as I look back, and uh, wow, that's really gratifying, the perfect effort. That's all, hey, Teal, because that's all you can expect. That's all anybody listening and watching, that's all you can expect from yourself. You know when you don't give a perfect effort, and there's a difference between a perfect effort and your best effort. No, no, 
your best effort, you can always better your previous best. So if at the moment, that effort that you've given, uh, just using this book for an example, you know, I, 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 even my last book, which was a complete departure for me, this Christian romance novel, very evocative, very edgy, uh, very graphic book. It did not sell well, um, but I gave a perfect effort. I poured my heart and soul into that book from May of 2017 when I started to write it until September of 18 when it was released. And I still think it was one of the best books I ever wrote. The, the consumer didn't believe so um, because it was too Christian for some and it was too secular for the Christians. Um, it kind of straddled a line that, that I felt in my heart was worth straddling. And my publisher said no, and my editor said no, you gotta pick, you're either a romance novelist or you're a Christian writer. And I said, no, I, I wanna bring them both together. And you know, maybe the consumer said they were right, but I gave a perfect effort. So the result was far from perfect, far from it. As far as all my books, it, it was the one that, that ha ha sold the least in the number of copies. But the effort was, I'm very, pleased with the perfect effort I made. Because you know why? I was true to myself. I was true to my belief. I was true to my content. I was true to the vulnerability of, 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 of depicting a character that fell from grace like this character did. And I, I was true to being unafraid to put uh, spirituality and religion into everyday life and show this fall from grace in an extremely graphic way when I could have taken the, you know, the, the softer way, the more safe way. And every turn I put myself out there and the, the tour I did for that book, um, the videos I did for that book, I was the only, it's the only book that I know of that had a movie trailer made for it. You know, I starred in the, the movie trailer. I mean, I, I tried everything. It was a first for me in a number of ways. So the effort was perfect. What is it to give a, give a perfect effort? Or is it just something that happens when you look back to it? You, it only yes, it only happens when you look back because you have now a little bit more education, not, not education. You have a little bit more enlightenment. You have a little bit more experience to look back and say, at every aspect, I didn't violate my personal constitution. You know, like the United States has a constitution, a bill of rights. I, I did not violate my own beliefs, my own constitution. I didn't sell out. I didn't. I didn't. You know, over commercialize it. I took the unsafe route. Um, and and I, I wouldn't have known that. I mean, the moment I was so monomaniacally focused with my blinders on that I just, I just executed, but I executed a perfect effort. And uh, I would say that also true for pretty much anything uh, else to give yes. a perfect effort. It's, you can only see something perfect in the future and you can never see yeah. it in the moment. No, and, 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 and if, you, if you find yourself saying during the middle of the effort, I'm doing the best I can, that's bullshit. I, you, you can only look back over the effort when you're done and say, I gave a perfect effort. I gave a perfect effort. I didn't do the best I could. I did more than that. I did it perfect. So moving on to another topic which we have talked about on all our interviews is uh, happiness. And something that happened, uh, something interesting happened since the last time we spoke. I uh, said that I think I had figured out what happiness is and what you needed to get it. But I realized 
or someone told me, or essentially I discovered through this person telling me that there are, of course, as I said, four things to get happiness, joy, purpose, gratefulness, and not doing something you don't want to do. But this person said, we all are in our natural state happy and we have happiness naturally but then everything else around us causes us anxiety depression hence we don't are we're not happy so through this person telling me this i started to think and he said something really fascinating which is if your mind is not aligned you can't have happiness and essentially what he meant by that is if your mind is aligned then there's nothing else you will need or nothing else you will want. Of course, you need shelter and food and that kind of things. But if your mind is aligned and you're doing everything your mind wants, then there's nothing else you will want. So an example on mind alignment is, uh, for example, I want to lose weight, but I am struggling to do so because my mind is not quite aligned with one another. So my conscious mind says, okay, well, let's do it. Let's lose the weight. Well, my subconscious mind is not quite there. So what happens? I spend 5% of my conscious mind on really pushing through and wanting to lose the weight. But after a few weeks, the subconscious mind steps in and then also essentially makes me bench and not, it gets me off track. So what are essentially your thoughts of having a mind alignment to have happiness? Well, one thing you omitted from that whole discussion is ego. And not ego is in, I'm the greatest in the world, but self-identity. How do you identify with yourself? And most often you identify with the self through the eyes of the world, not through the eyes of Tio or through the eyes of Frank. I think your friend, what he was saying was, was really, you know, through, through the eyes of, of, of Tio, how do you identify with, with you? And, and because you've been influenced by a number of people that you've interviewed, by books you've read and, you know, things you've seen, um, it begins to skew the sense of self, the, the, the true ego. And it's, when you, and I'm not saying I, 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 can't, I haven't done this, but I'm realizing now as I've kind of moved away from my ego, my ego is I'm, the, I'm a real estate, real estate artist. I build these beautiful houses on the ocean. That's my identity. That's what I associate with. That's my ego. Well, okay, well, you don't do that anymore. You know, so now what? And that's, that's a bumpy road at the beginning because of that, that association with the ego, with the self. And so your friend's right, you know, when the mind, like when you're, you, you need to get to the root of why you want to lose weight. Why is it that Tio, through whose eyes and for what reason am I wanting to lose weight? And right now it's probably societal. Society is, and, and, and imagery, uh, public imagery is, is dictating this to you. Now, when you come across and you cross over to the point where I feel better when I'm lighter, I know that at, at 19 or you're 19 yet or 18 still? 18. 18. 
whatever, still you're in the teens. There'll come a point when having a healthy body mass is going to serve me well for the rest of my life. There'll come a point where I'll feel much more productive and energetic when I have a body mass that, that, that allows me to be that. Not because you care what it looks like in the mirror. Uh, that, that's the last thing you should concern yourself with. It's really, you know, like for me, um, like when I go to the doctor, and I'm, obviously I'm, I, could be your, I could be your dad, I could be your, you know, they prescribe different things. And I'm like, you know what, doc, I, I'm not my best self when I'm on that. Why, why would I want to, you know, let me try, like I had, I had, uh, I was getting gout for some reason. It's a very painful thing. And they wanted to put me on this medicine and I tried it and it made me feel terrible. I said, there, there's got to be a natural remedy to, for, for this. And I found it and I worked and I shared it with my doctor and he's sharing with other people because I knew, I knew that I wanted, I always want to be at my best. I want to be in the position and you're just growing. You're like a flower, man. You're just blooming. You're just starting your you're, you're, you're first little bud out of a, out of a rose bush of 10 flowers. Your first bud is just blooming. And, and what is going to put you in the best position if that is a rose bush and your life represents 10 buds in that rose bush to, to enjoy that blossoming process. And if, a healthy body mass, a healthy body weight is going to allow that to happen, then, then that, that is going to align your mind. Then, then you will find a purpose to, to do this. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people, and eventually you'll be in the public eye, you know, when you're in the public eye, man, you, you got to do what's right by way of the camera, by the way of your fans. And, um, you know, it's funny, I, I'm not ruling out in this new book, completely cutting my, not shaving my hair bald, but going with a short haircut, you know, just changing it up a little bit. Because um, I think since the last time I see you, my hair's gotten even longer. So, you know, now part of that is my brand. It's just the way it's been, but does it always have to be that way? You know, and sometimes in the mirror, it's funny, I pull my, I'll pull my hair back and I'll pull it, you know, pull it all the way back and I'm like, okay, that isn't bad. You, you look okay, why, why don't you try something like that, Frank? And, and so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm relating to what you're going through, right? I keep this because A, it's always been, you know, it's always was in high school and, and, and B, it's part of my brand. But is that dictated by societal pressures, by societal definition or by mine? And it's really society for me that has given me the real estate rock star thing and all that. Well, what if I don't want that anymore at some point? I, I you know, I may not. I did. It's funny. I walked around for like, three or four days with my hair slicked back and hit up. So it looked like I just showed you and my wife loved it. My daughter even loved it, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't love it yet. But anyway, that's a long answer to your question. But uh, going back to mind alignment, that's essentially what you said. When you have your, when you get your mind right, you, the money follows, or when you get your mind right, the miles follows. Or, if you or, get the, or the pounds will follow, right? The pounds will fall off. I mean, when the mind, but, but what does that mean, right? It, what does it mean getting the mind right? Right by who? It's, it's not right by society. You know, it's not, why do you want to make more money? You know, you got to define this reason. Some people are happy just going out and planting a tomato garden and selling tomatoes and making a few bucks of it. Their, their alignment is perfect. I take nothing away from that. Not everybody... You know, there's a saying in, in my very first book, to live an extraordinary life, you must resist an ordinary approach. 
to live an extraordinary life, you must resist an ordinary approach. And then you go through and you define what is ordinary. You know, ordinary for me was drinking, you know, and doing drugs and all that stuff when I was a teenager. So I said, no, I don't want that because it's ordinary and it leads to an ordinary life. I want an extraordinary life. So therefore you're going to stop those things. Um, so, you know, for you, if the mind or the viewer, not just for you, for the viewer, there's nothing wrong with ordinary. Ordinary doesn't mean unhappy at all. Ordinary can, I've met the most, to me, things, people, like I use the garden example. I follow one of our board members uh, for Caring House, him and his, his wife. Um, he's a simple guy and, and I see them in their garden all the time and they're so happy. He does real estate too, but man, he's, he's so happy right now. He got married for a second time, found a perfect lady. Like, that's great. That's extraordinary, even though it might appear to societies, it's ordinary. So what? What I believe he wanted essentially to say is our conscious mind takes up roughly 10% or 10 to 5% of everything we do. And the subconscious mind does 90% of everything else. For example, breathing, it takes care of our cell generation, uh, walking, blinking. But sometimes it just steps in and takes over. For example, if you want to lose weight, but sometimes you go on a binge, that, that's when the subconscious mind stepped in. But as you right. said, how you get your mind aligned is when you find that true reason why you want to do the thing you want to do. And, and, and you know what? I mean, the other thing is, um, and I'll, I'll be talking about this in my book, don't quit beating yourself up over the fact that you can't decide on the right weight, that I can't decide on the right hairstyle or whatever. You know, it's okay. It is okay. <clears throat> and it's that, it's that guilt, it's that internal pressure that really wrecks havoc on one's psyche. And, you know, we're human beings. We're here to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, as long as you're giving what I referred to earlier, is that trying to better that previous best, we have to accept some of these shortcomings. It doesn't mean you're gonna resign yourself to them, Tia, there's a big difference. You'll accept that it's gonna be tough maybe to stay on the diet that you're gonna be on. Um, but you can't use just willpower and the white knuckle approach and hanging on to, to make effective change. It's not, it's not gonna work. It's, it, it, it's not sustainable. It's, it's so painful, <laughs> you know? I mean, willpower is important. Willpower gets the process started, but it, it will not sustain it. Have uh, there been times in your life where uh, you felt, I'm doing this through just willpower? Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and as I said, it, it, it would get me started. Um, you know, there's been times when, let's say I'm on a long training run, and there's no point in pushing further because I'm really hurting, or my feet are blistering, or I'm about ready to pass out because I'm feeling dizzy or I'm in the heat. There's no harm in stopping at that point because it's training. So I, I take back and I go back and I log what happened. Maybe I ate something wrong or I was in uh, maybe uh, dehydrated. But no, that could also happen in the race that I'm training for. So I have to use my willpower to get through that point. And, and it's like a you know, it's kind of like a reserve tank, a switch that I, I, would, I would use in the moment to will myself through a circumstance that was very uncomfortable, but it's not sustainable. Like there, there's no way I have to use that to get me just, it's like a little patch, right? You use the patch, you put it on, 
to get you past that 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 low point that that debilitatingly low point you can't you can't go through life not using your willpower uh but you can't go through life relying upon it solely i 100 percent agree and uh, is there anything final you want to say to everyone that's listening you know as always i think it would be helpful if, if all the viewers if you haven't already gone to my website which is just my name frank dash mckinney it's a hyphen mckinney mckinney.com uh, there is a, a little bit of a teaser on there about the book. Uh, you can see that on the homepage. You can see the villages that we've built in Haiti. Uh, you'll soon see the new one that we're going to be build, building in the town of um, Roseau. R, like this, the, the name of the letter Rose, R-O-S-E-A-U-X, Roseau, Haiti, will be our 28th village. You can read sample chapters from my other books. You can also see, you know, kind of how if I said you want to deliver on the promise of the title, so every book that I've written, you know, if you bought one of them, you read it, you'll say, yeah, Frank did deliver on the promise of the title. Donate to our Caring House Project Foundation. See some of the beautiful houses I've built on the ocean. Um, there's a lot to do. I think I've called it the, the Disney of the internet. Okay. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Frank, for taking the time again for to talk to me and also to everyone that's listening to this. And uh, I will invite you back when your book is finished again. When my book's finished, I will hold up that cover and you, you know, you'll be one of the first to see it because we've been on your program a lot of times. Because um, it really, it's, it's, it's gonna be, I mean, it's good for all generations, but I, if there's any generation I'm slanting it towards, it's, it's a little bit of a younger generation because I pretty much got my mindset right. You know, I mean, it served me well. I, I know what I got to do. I don't always adhere to it, but I know what I have to do to get it right. I'm really keen on the, you know, the, the 30 and under, uh, even up to 40, people who are maybe switching careers and thinking about coming out of this pandemic with a new mindset. Uh, so it'll be perfect for your demographic. Okay. So there you have it, everyone. That's it. Goodbye. All right.